Who knows what today is? Palm Sunday. Does anyone know what that means? Palm Sunday. It's it's the first day in what's called the Holy Week. And so if you read in the Bible, there was a time where Jesus was coming into Jerusalem and there's a whole story around it, but he's riding into Jerusalem on a colt or a donkey and the people threw palms down on the ground and they threw their coats down on the ground in front of him and they celebrated him coming. And you know what? It's interesting because you, you feel the sense of expectation that this nation of Israel, which I'll talk a little bit more about, finally their deliverer, their saviour, their messiah had arrived. This is the moment they'd been waiting for and the build-up. It's kind of like when the siren goes on the AFL grand final, you know, it was that big. When the Hawks are playing, of course. And uh, he'd arrived. But their expectation was very different to what Jesus actually came to do. Their expectation as a nation would have been of this hero of war, this deliverer, this this man that had come and he was going to fix all their problems and he was going to take over and he was going to do all these amazing things and they would have had an image of this Messiah that was going to come and take over. Like the great rulers throughout history, they had King David and it was said of King David that Saul killed his thousands but King David killed his ten thousands. It was, he was a man of war. They had this other deliverer called Moses who God did amazing miracles through. Um, he parted the Red Sea. He uh, sent plagues on Egypt and, and by a strong hand God delivered the people out of Egypt through this guy Moses. Joshua had a march around the city of Jericho where there was walls around the city and they marched around the city over seven days and the seventh day they did it seven times and the walls fell down. This was the type of deliverer that these people were used to. But I'm going to unfold the actual type of deliverance that Jesus was about and it wasn't about things and stuff and war. It wasn't about that. It was about relationship. You know, um, Amanda said, family, (laughs) it's a source of great joy, but it can also be a source of great struggle. And if I think about the life of Jesus, there were logistical problems in his ministry. He had thousands and thousands of people turning up to hear him preach, and he had preaching throughout the day, and the disciples came and said to him, they were his followers, they came and they said to him, "Uh, how are we going to feed these people? And that wasn't a problem to him. He could pray to the Father and, you know, the Father would provide and there were logistical things that were easy for him to overcome. But the things that he struggled with as much as we struggle with were the people things. When I think about my life and the things that are difficult, it's usually related to people challenges. I think about my work and it's people challenges. We're talking about a story on the way here today and it was a people issue. We are problematic. (laughs) But prayer is a way to help us with our challenges, our people challenges, and even our relationship with God. If you think about what prayer is, which is the topic of this series, it's our way to relate to God. Simple fact. So Palm Sunday. And I'm going to share today on John chapter 17, okay? 
Now, this, is, this whole chapter is a prayer that Jesus prayed while his closest followers were present. So it's just him and his closest, his closest friends, um, his closest friends that he'd journeyed with and he'd hung out with for the three years while he was um, in ministry. And here he was praying this prayer. And the start of it, it says, um, you know, it, it, it says some interesting things. But what I want to do is I want to set the scene. So the time was early in the first millennium. So it was, you know, around 0 um, AD, BC, around that time, about 2,000 years ago. And this nation of Israel, who were God's chosen people. So if you, if you know a little bit about the Bible, or even if you don't, there was this nation called Israel who God chose. And throughout history, um, he, he related to this nation and he had them set apart as his chosen people. They were living under Roman rule, right? The Jews were established in Rome and they had their own religion, which was um, their religion with their God. Um, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, it says on the poster over there. And they were living in this, in this Roman Empire, but the actual Roman Empire protected their religion under their law. So they were quite embedded in the, in the Roman um, Empire. You know, the fact that they were God's chosen people and God chose those people, that was all about to change when Jesus came and when he died on the cross. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Unfortunately, this religion, this Jewish religion, had become all about rules and not about the heart at all. You know, we were singing songs this morning and it's so easy to go through the motions and just to sing the words. And we've, you know, especially a song that we've sung a lot. That song, Amazing Grace, is such a great song and it goes, it goes back, you know, hundreds of years and those words are so well known. I've seen it, you know, Christmas time, they'll sing a version of that song and, you know, these people, they'll sing it and you think there's no connection with the words and this is what their religion had become like. There was no connection, no heart connection and I believe that's what God's doing in our midst, in this congregation even, in this family even. God's connecting our hearts to the message. You know, when we sing those songs, it's not just a song. It's not just a pretty song. It's a prayer. It's a prayer. We need to see it as a prayer. We need to more and more connect with the words that we sing and the words that we say and the words in the Bible. And that's what God is doing. So their religion had become a little bit disconnected. They had a temple. It was a meeting place of the Jewish council called the Sanhedrin. It was a, a little bit like the Jedi Council. Um, no, it wasn't at all. But they used, to, they used to meet in this temple and they have these meetings and they were like the, the rulers of this religion and they laid down the law and they told the people what they were meant to do. Outside of the temple, there was a marketplace. So you would come there, if you were travelling, you would come and you would buy animals and you could then sacrifice those animals to cover your sin or the things you'd done wrong. So you could come and you could buy that. You could also change your money from, the, from foreign currency into the currency that the temple accepted. In many ways, the Jewish religion had become a cold, commercial religion, not really about people and relationships. So as I mentioned, Palm Sunday, the Jewish nation were waiting the Messiah to come. They were looking forward to it, the one that would save them. 
And we see in the book of John um, an account of that. So John was a follower of Jesus. And in a lot of ways, he was, the Bible says he was very close to Jesus. He was almost like Jesus' best friend. How about that for a doctrinal issue? He was, he was close to Jesus. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. That's God speaking. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And my take on this is John was the one who was hungry to hang out with Jesus and wanted to get to know him and spent time with him. The Bible gives accounts where uh, John is resting on Jesus' chest. That was an intimate friendship that these guys had. And so the book that we're looking into today was written by that disciple, almost Jesus' BFF, best friend forever. Um, But they were very close. The text in, in John 17 starts with, after Jesus said these things, that's the very first thing it says. So I thought, well, that means the things that he said are the context and must be important. So I thought, I'm going to go and have a look at the things that he said so that I can set the groundwork for John chapter 17, which is the prayer we're going to explore today. So let's have a look at that. I looked and it started right back at John 13. So there are four chapters before John 17 where Jesus is having a conversation with his closest followers. And I want to just summarize that. So number one, it was clear that Jesus now knew who he was. Jesus knew that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God, that he was in charge. It says in John 13, 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything, that he came from God and was on on his way back to God. So Jesus knew who he was and what he was sent to do. Um, Interestingly enough, and Steve, our senior minister, shared on this a few weeks ago, straight after that verse where it says that Jesus knew who he was and he was sent from God, you imagine that, that God's revealed to you that you're totally in charge. You imagine that if I said to you, guess what, you're totally in charge, what would you do? You'd start saying, well, there's a few things I'd like to change around here. Uh, I'm going to get the roof replaced. Oh, we're doing that anyway. Um, I think church should start at 11. Chelsea agrees. Um, you know, I think church should only go for 20 minutes. No, well, you know, there might be some things that you decide to change. But no, the very next passage, Jesus took off his garments, put on a towel, and washed his disciples' feet. That was a, a clear message of the type of Messiah Jesus was and what he wanted to teach his disciples. He wasn't the type of Messiah they thought or that they thought they wanted. He wasn't going to be that way. He was going to lay his life down for them. That's the type of Messiah Jesus is and was. Very different. Number two, he loved his companions and he taught them about love. You know, in John 13, verse 34, 35, Jesus says, let me give you a new command, love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize you are my followers when they see the love you have for each other. In a a lot of ways, this was new, but in some ways it wasn't. Sandy shared about what what they called the Shema. 
And that word Shema in Israel means listen and obey. See, I was listening last week. Give me a clap. Um, (laughs) The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And when he was um, speaking with his followers in this room, he was talking about love. He was talking about love for God and he was talking about love one for another. Number three, one of them, Judas Iscariot, was about to betray him. People struggles, people challenges. Even Jesus had people struggles. We will have people struggles from time to time. You know, Door of Hope is a church. It's got a long tradition, over 130 years. But you know, we're not a corporation. We're not an organisation, although we are. We're a family. I've been coming here for oh, 12 years. I'm really starting to feel at home here. You know, that <laughs> took me a while when I got there. I look around and I see good friends. And if you're here for the first time or if you're watching online, that's available to you now. We would love for you to join our family, become our friends. And yet we won't always get it right. We will have our struggles, but we'll do our best. We'll try and help you fit in, okay? So it it was about family, but Jesus had his problems too. And one of his closest followers... There were 12 of them. One of them was about to betray him and dob him in. That's a people struggle if ever I heard of it. Interestingly enough, he shares the bread at this, um, in this room where this conversation happens and eventually he goes on and uses that bread to symbolise his body. And I was thinking about that. The very same bread that was in that room which he used, he also used to dip it and to say, they asked, the disciples asked, or it was Peter. Peter said to John, because Jesus said, one, someone's going to betray me. And Peter says to John, quick, ask him who it is. I want the goss. And so John asks him, being the closest one, being Jesus' best friend. Um, that's not necessarily, necessarily true, by the way, but he was pretty close to Jesus. He asks him, and Jesus said, the one who I give this bread to, and he dips the bread and gives it to him. And I thought about that, the concept of that being probably the same loaf of bread or um, in the same um, conversation. Number four, Jesus was about to leave the disciples to go to the cross to give himself for all. He was going to prepare a place for us in the Father's house. So he was about to show them the type of Messiah he really was. And it wasn't about dominance and ruling and reigning and forcefulness and the type of things we would consider a deliverer would do. It was about sacrifice, laying his life down, dying for our sins, dying for us. You can get a sense of the climax, sense of climax. Jesus had been uh, in ministry for three years. He'd been on earth for 33 years. Um, he, He was now established as the son of God. He had revealed this to his disciples. He had owned it. Um, he, he was entering Jerusalem. He was 
there was this sense that something major was about to happen and that, that this climax was happening. The drama of it all. Judas had been set up as the one to portray Jesus. The Bible says that the enemy entered Judas even and this sense of climax and this build-up that something big was going to happen. And when you read through that conversation, you get that sense of climax that something major was going to happen. Number five, the, the other theme that I saw, the disciples are struggling to get with the program. It was all new and hard to fathom. It's really frustrating reading some of the questions they asked. If I was Jesus, I'd be like, oh, Palm Sunday, you know. It's like, oh, serious. And you just, you're reading the questions and you get this sense of frustration. And then I realized I would have been the same. I would have been exactly the same. I would have had the thoughts, Jesus, here he is. He may not look like what we thought he'd look like, but he's going to shake things up and I can get a sense that something's about to happen and he's going to take over and dominate. Who knows, he might even be the whole head of the Roman Empire and we can have things our own way. And uh, that's what I would have been like. And they were like that as well. And the last thing that he talks about is that he's going, but when he goes, the comforter will come. So he's about to leave, but he's going to send us and what, a, a thing called the Comforter, which we know now as the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is also available to you today through Jesus. If you want to know more about that, I encourage you to talk to one of our, our ministers here, one of our elders, or you might have come with somebody today, um, talk to them about it. Um, but that Jesus wasn't going to leave us as orphans, that he was sending the comforter. So that's the context as I see it. And I will get to the prayer, but first, instead of reading the prayer, I thought it'd be good to watch the prayer. So I found a clip online, and it's, it's, from, uh, it's, it's in the Good News version. It's from the, the Visual Bible. So we're just going to have a watch of that, and then I'll come back, I promise. Father, the hour has come. Give glory to your Son, so that the Son may give glory to you. For you gave him authority over all people, so that he might give eternal life to all those you gave him. And eternal life means to know you, the only true God, and to know Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I have shown your glory on earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. Father, give me glory in your presence now, the same glory I had with you before the world was made. I have made you known to those you gave me out of the world. They belong to you, and you gave them to me. They have obeyed your word, and now they know that everything you gave me comes from you. I gave them the message that you gave me, and they received it. They know that it is true that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those you gave me, for they belong to you. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and my glory is shown through them. And now I am coming to you. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. 
Holy Father, keep them safe by the power of your name. The name you gave me. So that they may be one. Just as you and I are one. While I was with them, I kept them safe by the power of your name, the name you gave me. I protected them, and not one of them was lost, except the man who was bound to be lost. So that the scripture might come true. And now I am coming to you and I say these things in the world so that they may have my joy in their hearts in all its fullness. I gave them your message and the world hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. But I do not ask you to take them out of the world. But I do ask you to keep them safe from the evil one. Just as I do not belong to the world, they do not belong to the world. Dedicate them to yourself by means of the truth. Your word is truth. I sent them into the world just as you sent me into the world. And for their sake, I dedicate myself to you in order that they too may be truly dedicated to you. I pray not only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of their message. I pray that they may all be one. Father, may they be in us, just as you were in me and I am in you. May they be one so that the world will believe that you sent me. I gave them the same glory you gave me, so that they may be one just as you and I are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be completely one, in order that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them as you love me. Father, you have given them to me, and I want them to be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, the glory you gave me. For you loved me before the world was made. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you sent me. I made you known to them, and I will continue to do so, in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and so that I also may be in them. So there it is, John 17. And I did the same thing. You know, I wanted to look at that prayer, which is a prayer that Jesus, as you saw, prayed amongst his closest followers. And his followers had asked him, Master, teach us how to pray. And Jesus went through a thing that we call the Our Father. And it's over here on our left, and Sandy covered off on this last week. But you can see, you know, there's, there's this prayer, which is a prayer in itself, but it's more than a prayer. It's almost an outline and a bunch of themes that can help us to pray. And you can see those themes in this prayer that Jesus prayed as well. And I want to unpack those now. So my first thought was this. When we're praying, it's okay to pray for yourself. It's okay to pray for yourself. We are blessed to be a blessing. You know, if you look at the the first part of Jesus' prayer there, He says, give glory to your son. That's a prayer about himself. But he follows it by saying, so that the son may give glory to you. So you get a sense of 
Jesus prayed for himself, but it was in the context of him being able to help others. I think it's very important that we pray for ourselves so that we can be, the Bible says, have robust lives. In the message version of the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it talks about the concept of robust lives, having solid lives, having good lives that can then be a blessing to others because God has unraveled us and we're starting to get our act together. Then you can be more useful. And Jesus prayed along those lines. There's a few other sections in the prayer where he prays about himself. And I just want to tell you, if you're praying, don't, don't worry about it if you're praying about yourself. We need to pray for ourselves. Because if we are strong, then we can help others. If we are strong, we can live a good life and be useful. Uh, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, there's a concept there. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have been forgiven. You see that same concept. Praying for ourselves, give us our daily, our daily bread, and forgive us, it's a prayer about me, forgive me as I forgive others. So you get that same concept that we, you know, praying for ourselves and then we can be a blessing for others. Number two, God had entrusted Jesus with a special group to look after. There's a sense of looking after those who he had a special connection with. And I think that's also important in our prayer life. Who are you connected with closely? I just looked at a couple of mates over there. <laughs> Lost it. Who are you connected with? Be connected with people. Have a group that you pray for. You know, I've been reading through this um, this book that, that Sandy and some others wrote, and it's 40 Days of Prayer, and we're up to day, uh, I think it's 32 or something. And um, interestingly enough, a couple of days ago, day 31 on Friday was about connect groups. You know, we're a fairly big group of people here. Uh, there's probably a 1,000-odd people that we're in contact with regularly that call Door of Hope their home church. So it can be hard to connect with people, but we have this structure called connect groups, and that's a really good way to, to find a smaller group that you can connect with more personally, and maybe you could pray for those people, maybe you could find, um, you know, things in common and look after one another, and you get, a, you get a sense of that in the prayer that Jesus prayed, that he had a small group of people that he was very close to and that he prayed for. If you want to know more about connect groups, then please go to the help desk afterwards and we'll get you connected up there. Um, by the way, these books have been really good. Has any, who's been reading these books? They've been really good. And it's not too late to get one. We're on day uh, 33. You've got seven days left out of 40. That's better than nothing. But I think it's also a good book that we could use again and again. Even though the last bit is about Easter, they're still a very useful book and I've found it a useful resource. Um, you also see in the, in the Our Father prayer, he says, um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's sort of a prayer about that connectedness. It's a prayer about looking after one another. The third thing I got out of this prayer was that Jesus connects us with the Father. We connect with him and help others to connect with him. 
there's a strong theme of connectedness in Jesus' prayer. And we call that here at Door of Hope being together in community. Again, going back to the Shema over here, Sandy unpacked that a bit for us and she's talking about the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel. And that word one is not a singular one. It's the community version of one. So there's a sense of community even in the prayer that the, the nation of Israel were used to or the Shema. Number four, this is an interesting one, going back to the people's struggle. Jesus couldn't control their response to his prayer or his love. Judas still portrayed Jesus even though Jesus had prayed for him, cared for him and took him under his wing. We can expect that at times our prayers will appear to go unanswered, even be frustrating. That's, that's real. That's going to be real. You know, I had a lady who prayed for me when I was a young man. And she'd been praying for me for a lot of time, a long time, like since I was like five years old. When I was 18, I turned up at her drop-in centre in Summerhill and I was bad. I had long hair. Not that there's anything wrong with long hair. But, you know, I regularly got drunk and I regularly um, smoked marijuana and I look back on that and, you know, a couple of years later I gave my life to Christ and I got my, became part of this family and my life changed for the better. But I was thinking about that lady and after her 14, 15, 16 years of prayer, all that she saw in me was just a rebellious guy who was naughty, up to no good. Our prayers will be like that sometimes. We'll be praying for somebody. We won't necessarily see those results that we're looking for straight away. That's just the facts of life. If it happened to Jesus, it'll happen to us. One of the 12 that he was discipling and closely having input into betrayed him. If it happened to him, unfortunately, it'll happen to us. And we don't control their response. We just pray we just love and we let people respond. Some people will respond to that, some won't. That's just how it is, unfortunately. And the last thing that I got out of this prayer is that Jesus prayed over the message and the truth he had spoken to his friends. There's a sense of planting seeds of truth into their conversations and praying over those seeds. They're almost like gardening. <laughs> You plant seeds and you water them, you tend them, you look after them and you hope they grow. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I planted a, a little plant once not realising it was rosemary <laughs> and it's in our garden and we, we can get rosemary off it. But I, I didn't know what I was doing but it's been a blessing anyway. There's some other plants I planted that are somewhere in plant heaven right now. <laughs> just didn't work out. There's other plants that sort of took over and then really pretty when they're in flower, but they're really ugly when they're not. And then there's this one plant right near our letterbox and it's taking over. It's this massive creeper thing. And, and uh, yeah, but I get a sense that Jesus spoke truth into these people's lives, but he didn't leave it at that. He prayed over that truth. 
He prayed over those seeds. You know, you might need some help in this area, and I think we all do. We all need help with our prayer life. It's our number one value here at Door of Hope, and for a good reason. It's the basis of our relationship with God, and it's a strong basis of our relationships one for another, one with another. There are, there are some things that I do that help me. You know, I'm not perfect. <laughs> you might think I am, but I'm not. Who thinks I'm perfect? <laughs> I'd like to pray for you later on. <laughs> well, some things that I do um, that, that help me. One thing is um, my mentor. I've got a mentor. He's 80 years old, lovely bloke. And uh, when I took him on, uh, it was about a year ago, I thought, oh, this would be great. He'll be able to help me at work and stuff like that. And I met with him the first time. He goes, Rice, what I want you to do is I want you to read the Bible once every year. I'm like, what? And he kept notes and he rings me up. And uh, he gave me this great book and it's Proverbs Prayers. And it's just a proverb every day with a prayer. And I can just pray through that as something for me to do. I write lists of things to pray for. And uh, my wife and I... (laughs) We keep a little book and we write things that we're praying for and we turn the page and write another one and we keep like a, like a journal. It's really good because you can look back and you can sort of look at the things that, that you're praying for and the things that God has answered over time and then the things that you might still need to pray for. But I encourage you, you know, there are some practical things you can do um, to increase your prayer life. You can get hold of one of these. There are prayer groups here at Door of Hope. You could join one of those. Um, you can join a connect group. If you want to help in this area, please talk to somebody and see what they can do. Ask others what they do that works for them. Because the things I do you mightn't work for you. But, you know, ask somebody about that. Because we would love for your prayer life to, to, to get better. I would love for my prayer life to increase and to improve because it's the basis of relationship. And that's what's important here at Door of Hope. We're a family. We want to connect with our Father just as Jesus connected. And as we connect with our Father, we're connecting others to Him as well. All about relationship and connectedness. There's some interesting stories here at Door of Hope about relationships and families. I once introduced Bruce Stocks to his son. Uh, uh, he's Jared do you know Jared Uh, yes I do Uh, there's some really fascinating family connections and you get that with a long history you know Uh, families have been here for a while the first time I came here I was sitting next to a gentleman and uh, he said it was connect time you know where we stop and we just talk to the person next to us and I said, it was my first time here. And I said, how long have you been coming? And he said, 86 years. (laughs) Interesting. Um, So I guess we must be doing something right. But I encourage you today, um, seek someone out. Give it a go. Give it a go. Let's give this thing a go. Can we make that commitment at least? That we're going to try to pray more, try and connect with our God, try and pray for others. And try and make this a part of our lifestyle, part of our practices. Amen? Because Jesus led by example. And uh, we can learn a lot from that. Amen? Why don't we pray right now? That would be a good idea. Father, we just thank you that you have given us 
such a resource. So many resources, God. We can have every version of the Bible on our smartphone. We are so blessed. Lord, you have taught us. You have led by example. You have laid down your life for us. Father, help us to not take that for granted. Help us to take up your call to pray. Father, help us to live that number one um, priority here at Door of Hope, which is powerful prayer. May that be something that's valuable to us all. Lord, that we would see prayer as an important part of our walk and an important part of our life with you. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honour. In Jesus' name, amen.